Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. One of the hidden costs of having grandchildren is they blurt out the truth in public, right? (laughs) And you know what one of the hidden costs in the Canadian economy for all of us right now, um, you've, you've seen it if you've been buying gasoline or uh, groceries, or even a piece of two-by-four. It's called inflation. My, my wife, Esther, and I just returned from visiting family in Nova Scotia, and we took a trailer behind the car, which means you stop for gas twice as much, and man, it's like you were paying twice as much for it. It cost a lot more than what we thought it would. And that's exactly what doing family means. There are hidden costs there. It costs a lot more to do any relationship than what you might think it will. That's especially true of doing families together. There's a lot of sacrifice, a lot of hidden costs involved. You know, when I meet a couple that's planning their wedding, and I've done a lot of weddings over the years, and I meet with them, they're just usually so idealistic and just looking forward to their future together. You know, it's just, all we need is love. You know, and they, but they sure change their tune pretty quick when it goes from, you know, from wedding bells to the monthly bills. They, they change their tune pretty quickly. Now, there was one study that I found, newlywed couples who estimated that their happiness levels would rise within the first four years of marriage, those are the ones where it was actually more likely to experience a decline in happiness over time. You know, what were the top hidden costs that surprised them? It was the little things. And competing loyalties, letdowns, their sex life, relationship roles, and and dividing up the responsibilities in the uh, marriage relationship. But then some say, well, if we just have a child, you know, if we just have a a little baby, then we'll just be so happy. But then you get that baby, and everybody says congratulations, but there's a lot of hidden costs. How many have found sleep deprivation? And those... Those, how can I say, those stinky diapers, those messy diapers, a a lot of hidden costs. And then people say, well, don't worry. It'll get easier when the kids get older. Right. When they become teenagers, you mean? You know, uh, there's this new mom that just had had this terrible night with the baby teething and up screaming all night. It was a hot day and uh, she was panicking because that was the day that people were going to come over uh, for dinner. And uh, the baby was screaming with the teething and, uh, and, and she got a phone call and above the screaming, couldn't quite hear the voice as well, but some voice said, how are you, sweetheart? How is your day going? And over the baby screaming in the background, this young mom just burst into tears. She said, oh, mom, I'm having a horrible day. 
Susie was late for school. The baby won't stop screaming. The air conditioner broke down on such a hot day and the house is a mess. We're having people over for, for dinner tonight and, and I haven't even got the groceries yet. And there was a sympathetic, reassuring maternal voice on the other end of the line that said, listen, sweetheart, you just sit down and relax. I'll be over within the hour and I'll get your groceries. I'll clean the house. I'll even help make dinner for you and I'll call John and see if he can come home early from the office today to help you. And the, the, the young mom said, John, who's John? You, you, your husband. Uh, is, is, are you not Judy? Oh, I'm sorry. I must have called the wrong number. And then there was this long pause on the other end of the line and the young overwhelmed mom said, does this mean you're not coming over to clean the house? <laughs> you know, there, there are four hidden costs that we're going to look at that happen in every family. Uh, misunderstandings, embarrassments, losses, and pain. All right? We're going to look at all four of them. And you know the family that is going to help us understand these four? The most ideal family, has to be the most ideal family, right? I'm talking about the family that Jesus was a part of in Nazareth and first in Bethlehem and they had times together in Jerusalem. I'm talking about that family in Israel. I mean, come on, an angel appeared to Mary to announce that she'll be pregnant with the, the Son of God, the Messiah. An angel reassures Joseph that this baby that Mary is carrying is supernaturally um, placed in the mother's womb. There's this uh, angelic chorus, member uh, Christmas? The birth announcement is done to the shepherds with an angel choir. I, I mean, Philip Yancey wrote a book and he said, you know, there's some questions I really would like to ask Mary, the mother of Jesus, as, as she was raising Jesus, you know, this perfect son. And one of them was, did you ever look over at him at the lunch table and think, that's God eating my soup? <laughs> you know, it had to be perfect, Right. He, he's Jesus, he's, he's perfect. There'll, there'll be no misunderstandings, no embarrassments. It, it's just a, a pain-free family with Jesus, right? Well, because it's Mother's Day, let's sort of look at the family from his mother, Mary's perspective. I mean, she, she certainly would not have been able to uh, forget the day that she and Joseph got the Amber Alert. How many have ever had the Amber Alert on your phone or your radio, whatever, and it just scares the gajibis right out of you? It's just, it's just engineered to sort of jolt you uh, into a sense of emergency. Well, this group of Jew Jewish people were traveling home to Nazareth after having been in Jerusalem for the biggest... Um, uh, celebration of the year, the Passover feast. And they're on their way home. You know, it takes a village to raise a child. They were practicing that. The adults were talking to adults and the kids were with kids and the children with children. Everybody's just going along. Jesus is 12 years old and, and it's a large group. And, and, and well, let's just go to how Luke record, records what happened. After this celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. 
His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. You know, researcher Leonard Sweet claims that 80% of all expectations are assumed, whether it's the workplace or family, 80% of all expectations you just assume. You know, you just, you get married and you assume she'll be like this, maybe because that's the way his mother was. She'll be like this and she'll do that and, and, and she has the ideas, he'll be like this and he'll do that. You know, someone said it this way. They said, marriage is like a uh, phone call at 2 a.m. during the night. First you get the ring, and then you wake up. You wake up to the reality. You know, I, I did this Zoom workshop with pastors in the Atlantic provinces uh, over April. And, uh, you know, I, and I told them, listen, when you, because I was talking to him about how to start well, continue well and end well at every church that you are pastoring. And, and I said, you know, what you will find is when you go to a new congregation, they will assume that you will do everything that your predecessor did well and that you'll also do what he did not do well, that, that, that you'll do that very well too. Expectations, assumptions. Do you know that, do you know that they happen in Jesus' family? You know, I assumed he was with the other kids. Joseph, I assumed that he, he was with uh, Uncle Zachariah. I, I thought he was with his cousin John. Assumptions. Assumptions lead to misunderstandings. Watch how it happens here. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days later, come on, how many of your blood pressure's been up and boiled over by this time? Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere, but why did you need to search, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Do you see it? Assumptions lead to misunderstandings. But watch this now. Misunderstandings mean there's more to understand than what you presently understand. It's exactly what it means. Anytime you have a misunderstanding, there's more to it. There's more to understand than you presently understand. Now, his mom figured this out and she's pondering these things. She didn't understand at first, but she listened. And, 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 and the scripture says this, that his mother stored all these things in her heart. She just pondered them over and over in her heart. She kept sorting it out. And, you know, this is what it looks like to me. This is the way it makes me feel. But then she listened to that other person and where they were coming from, you know. So much conflict happens in our families because we assume. We have expectations. And it leads to misunderstandings. You know, something that's just helped me over the years, I hope I'm getting better at it, and that is to, to wait until you hear the other person say what happened from their perspective. Wait until you, you hear, you see. So, so many problems, you know, people get on Twitter and they get on social media these days and they just make their grand conclusions and they, they're, they're not listening to anybody else that has any other perspective. The problem with so many is they get a hold of a half-truth and they get a hold of the wrong half and they need to, they need to listen and have 
more perspective, more understanding of how other people think and where they're coming from. Now, that's misunderstandings, but one thing we know for sure, right? We can be quite sure that Jesus didn't have any embarrassments in his family, right? Although, of course, there was that day (laughs) where his mom got so worried about Jesus overdoing it. Now, before I show you the example of where she got so worried about Jesus overdoing it, you need to we need to see, we need to make it worse first, all right? <laughs> because watch this. This happened when Jesus was 30 years old. 30 years old when his mom did this. And secondly, Jesus was unique. He was the son of God. He was the Messiah. All right, now we're ready for it. Watch what happens. Then Jesus entered a house and again, a crowd gathered. I mean, this has been going on for a while. So that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. So maybe Mary is a little bit like the Italian mama. You know, come on, mangi, mangi. You're not getting your food. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. Awkward. This this is embarrassing. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him, Jesus. A crowd was sitting around him and they, they told him, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it just, it, it must have been so awkward. You know what my you know what my mom did when I was in my late teens? I'd left Halifax, Nova Scotia to go to a college in Peterborough, Ontario. And uh, my mom would actually write me letters, put them in an envelope, and then she'd put perfume on the envelope. Now, this is before, you know, emails and, and all that. So what would happen is this. Whatever class you were in, whatever year you were in, before you, as soon as your class was over, before lunchtime, there was a rush on the mailboxes because people had to see uh, who sent me what, who's written me. Maybe there's a care package there. And there was a rush on the mailboxes. Can you imagine what it was like for me when I would go pick up my mail and if there was a letter from my mom, there was this perfume that filled the air. You know, she wanted those college girls to to think that I was getting mail from, I don't know, mom, what were you thinking? It was embarrassing. Now, I I know it's Mother's Day, but I'm still going to ask this. How how many have a mom who has embarrassed you? (laughs) Stay out of the chat room, all right? (laughs) Come on, it's Mother's Day. But because it's Mother's Day, I'm also going to ask this question. You know, or I'm going to make this statement, actually. She's likely embarrassed you a whole lot less than what you have embarrassed her. Do you know, do you remember that mom that was feeling overwhelmed with the people coming over for dinner? And she was still flustered and the house was so hot when Susie finally got home from, from school. And, and, and Susie heard her mom ventilating her frustrations as she was preparing in that hot kitchen. And, and when company arrived for dinner, uh, everyone gathered around and uh, her, her, her mom said, Susie, why don't you ask the blessing on the food before we, we dig in. And Susie just got really, really shy and backed up. And, and her mom said, come on, j- just go ahead and say, say a prayer that you heard mommy say today. 
And she said, okay. And she said, Lord, why did I invite all these people over on such a hot day? <laughs> Embarrassing. Listen, embarrassment happens in families. It goes with the territory. It even happened in Jesus' family. But watch how Jesus handled embarrassment. He diffused it with graciousness. He, he actually turned it into a, a teaching illustration. He said this to the crowd when they said, hey, Jesus, your, your mom wants to talk to you. He says, who, who are my mother and my brothers? Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus just gets inclusive, turns it into a teaching illustration. Just could have been such an awkward moment and he diffuses the awkwardness. Someone said it this way, grace is the face love wears when it meets imperfections. <laughs> you know, oh, how much better our families would be if we would, um, rather than, you know, jumping on when someone messes up or does something embarrassing, just, just to diffuse it. You know, I'm just so thankful for those in my life that, you know, when they could have just sort of, uh, you know, highlighted something that was embarrassing, that instead they diffused it. You know, words, words are powerful way, aren't they? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So true in families, isn't it? In those moments where someone, we could just turn on someone or pick on someone. Now their humor's good. Sometimes that can be a good way to diffuse things, but not to hurt but to just heal. Words, words can heal. Words, graciousness can diffuse embarrassments and awkward times. Now, what about losses? Well, Jesus died when he was 33, so what losses in his family would he have experienced? Now, Canadian statistics tell me that half of the people that I'm talking to right now are from a single-parent home. And uh, usually it's the dad that's not there. They're being raised by the mom. Over half of the people I'm talking to right now. Last weekend, Pastor Jessica in this series uh, provided such an excellent teaching on God's plan for sexuality. Listen, if it's in the archive, go to our church website, especially if your parents that wanna, she was so practical in helping parents know how to communicate it to our children. And, and, uh, and in the chat room, you could see comments and some are saying, you know, if, if moms could tell their daughters and, and dads could tell their sons, and I'm thinking half of them don't have a dad there, let alone a dad who would be comfortable having the, the sex talk. And of course, you know, of course, Jesus wouldn't understand that. He doesn't understand the world of single parent moms, right? He doesn't understand what it's like to have no dad around. It's Mary and Joseph, right? Well, well, well look at this. Mark chapter 6. Jesus goes to his hometown of Nazareth, okay? He's had the embarrassing experience with his mom. He's, he's, he's teaching yet again in his own hometown. And here's their response. The, the people that he'd grown up with. They say, where did this man get these things, they asked. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, this brings up some questions. Why is Jesus called the carpenter or the, or, or the builder? It's the same word that was used in the Greek language that Jesus spoke in and that 
this, these words were written in of the time. Why is Jesus called the carpenter? And why is Jesus called Mary's son and not the son of Mary and Joseph? In the literature of that time, this would have been the norm. Mary and Joseph's son. Another question. Why is everyone else in Jesus' family referred to except Joseph? Come on, like, like that, that's the, the final question. Where is Joseph anyway? You know, there's only one explanation that answers all four questions. Sometime after that trip that Jesus and his family took down to Jerusalem for the Passover, when Jesus was 12, sometime after Jesus was 12, his dad either left home, and most scholars say, no, that doesn't seem like at all likely. Joseph must have passed away. Most scholars say Joseph passed away. He died. And of course, the firstborn son, as in many cultures of that time, but in the Jewish family, had special privileges, but also responsibilities. If his dad died, it was the responsibility of the eldest son in a Jewish family, to, having learned the trade of his father, to take care of his mom and siblings if anything ever happened to his dad. And that's why Jesus is called the carpenter. That, that, that's why he's called Mary's son and not the son of Mary and Joseph. That, that's why everyone else in Jesus' family is referred to except for Joseph. You know, I, I used to wonder, why did Jesus wait until he was 30 to leave home and begin a public ministry where so many people could have been helped that he started when he was 25, for instance? Why did he wait until he was 30? He, he's providing for a single parent mom in his family. What am I saying? I'm saying Jesus gets the single parent family. He, he gets the child that doesn't have a dad there as part of the family. He, he, he gets that. Yeah, but you say, yeah, yeah, but he had God as his father. Well, in a very special way, so do you. As a matter of fact, watch this. There's a special way the Bible says that a child from a single parent family has God as their father in a way that isn't the same for families that already have an earthly dad as part of the equation. Listen to the psalmist. He says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, the single parents in that situation. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. What does that mean? That means that, listen to me, you have the greatest God, you have the greatest Father, it's Father God, you have the greatest Father in the universe who's looking to backfill the areas in your life that have been left vacant because an earthly father was not there. My, my dad, some of you heard the story over the years, he came from a single parent home and was a wonderful dad. But, but he credited it all to, because he, he came to know Jesus. And, and he told me, you know, there were men in the church that I could learn from what it meant to be a, a man and meant to be a, a responsible dad, a loving, caring father. You know, and I invite you to do that. Listen, it, 
let God be a father to the fatherless. Get, get involved in the church. Volunteer in an area of ministry that has different ages and some men there and, and get to know them and pray that God would guide someone that would, would, would help provide exactly what would be in your life if a dad was there. Pray, get into the Proverbs where the writer of Proverbs, Solomon says, my son, listen to my wisdom. Get into the gospels and travel with Jesus. Jesus said, the person who has seen me, they've seen the father. You want to know what a father is like? Get to know me, my truth, my correction, my compassion, my love, my purpose for your life. Oh, listen, you can live your life. You may be a child. Half of the kids listening to me right now, maybe there's not a dad there, but listen, you get into situations where you don't have to look to anyone else to determine how your life is going to turn out because you live for the approval of your heavenly father, just like Jesus did. You know, COVID has been tough on families. Oh my goodness. Every time my wife and I drive around Toronto and we see those condos and apartment buildings, we just can't imagine Especially you, you single parents, whether you're a dad or a mom, but you single parent moms, so many of them. And we just think, oh God, how do they ever do it with all the restrictions and confinements and, and trying to, you know, with the schools closing, uh, how do they do it? Listen, uh, we, I know I speak on behalf of Pastor Jonathan when I say, if you're a single mom, we give you double honor. We don't know how you do it. And you, I can hear somebody saying, yeah, but there's been misunderstandings and there's been embarrassments and there's been pain. You mean just like in Jesus' family? But Jesus wants to be there right with you, right in the middle of all that. Do you know, you know when Jesus was on the cross, get this now, he's carrying the weight of the failures and flaws, mess-ups of the entire human race. He's carrying them himself on the cross. Plus, he's separated from his father. My God, why have you forsaken me? He's forsaken. Listen, and in those moments where Jesus is dying for you and me, while he is being crucified, the, the destiny of the entire human race depends on whether he is going to die so that we can be forgiven and whatever stands between us and God could be cleansed away. And that's why Jesus dies, not for himself, but for you and me. But you know what he does? You know what he does? When he sees, I'm going to read from the scripture there. He's looking down from the cross. Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, the apostle John. He said to her, dear woman, mom, here's your son. And he said to the disciple, John, here's your mother. And from then on, this disciple, John, took her into his home. Get this, Jesus takes time out from redeeming the whole human race to care for his mom. <laughs> and, and he continues, remember Jesus took time out from redeeming the whole human race to cleanse away the sins and bring into paradise one of the thieves that was repentant, that was on the cross beside him. Never forget this. Let's never forget this. While Jesus is caring for the billions, he concurrently cares for the one. While Jesus is caring for the billions, 
He concurrently cares for the one. It helps me understand how right now, right now concurrently, Jesus can care for starving people in North Africa, the destitute families in the Ukraine or surrounding countries, and the single parent that's listening to me right now, and you with the issues that you are facing in your life and family right now. So Jesus is involved with the hidden costs of misunderstanding, embarrassments, losses, and, and also pain. There are lots of different kinds of pain, aren't they? <laughs> Physical, emotional, uh, psychological. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he suffered the pain of betrayal and abandonment from those that he had given so much to. False accusations, injustice, separation, excruciating, prolonged, torturous physical pain. But did you know that Jesus also, get this, Jesus also experienced pain of rejection from his own family? You know, I've had parents pour out their hearts to me, some of them during COVID, most of them I'm thinking of was before COVID, but they, they said things like this, Pastor Keith, we sacrificed for our kids right from when they were babies, through their school years, we got them involved in sports and music and activities, we prayed for them, we brought them to church, and you know, all those hidden costs that you pay? We gave, we gave, and we gave only to have them grow up and become distant from us. Just go on with their own lives and not even care. It's just the rejection that they sense. You know, I can't imagine anything more painful, though, than watching your kids try to do life without Jesus when he means everything to you as a parent. That's something Jesus couldn't say about his family, right? I mean, Jesus is right there. Of course they believed in him. The Apostle John was likely right there when this conversation took place. Soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you hide like this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. And here's the shocking words, for even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus, how does he respond to this? He just keeps loving them, answering their questions, forgiving them, praying over them. And then Jesus died without his brothers even believing in him. You know, I remember one amazing woman. She wasn't a mom, but she, she went through a lot of pain. She'd been through the Holocaust in a concentration camp. And Corey Tam Boom wrote, she said, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. <laughs> you sit still and trust the engineer, especially if Jesus is in the driver's seat of your life. So when I'm talking to people about being discouraged in their families and the pain that they're experiencing because of decisions that their kids are making. After years of praying for them, so, so many times I'll say, you know, but keep praying, keep loving, keep forgiving. 
And I'll show them a scripture in Acts. It's basically a scripture that gives the attendance record of who was at a believer's only gathering, all right? Only people that believed in Jesus are at this prayer meeting because Jesus instructed them to go there until he gave them the power to witness to other people. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, so mom's there, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. The brothers of Jesus. You say, what happened? <laughs> Somewhere they understood that Jesus, you may have been an earthly brother, but you're the son of God and you gave your life for me and you rose from the dead so I could have everlasting life. Somewhere's in there they understood. This, this had to be the best Mother's Day ever for Mary to have her kids there believing in and following and being empowered to tell other people about the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, Jesus, they had been so privileged to have in their home. And so where is Jesus in single parent families? Where is Jesus in families with unbelievers? Where is Jesus in families that have so many hidden costs? Where is Jesus in a family like ours that has misunderstandings, embarrassments, losses, and pain? Where is Jesus? Where is he? Do you know where he is? We've seen it. We've seen it just like then. So it is in 2022. He's right there with you. Jesus is involved directly with families where you love them, you forgive them, and you keep on praying for them. Speaking of praying for them, why don't we pray for them right now? Just before we pray for your family, how many would say, Pastor Keith, if you'll pray with me, I'm sort of like Jesus' brothers. <laughs> I, I, I don't believe, I haven't been believing in Jesus, but I understand just like they came to understand that he died on the cross so I could have all that keeps me from God washed away. And so I could live the life that Jesus intended me to live and I could be with him in heaven forever. How, how many, you're ready to just pray with me about that? Can you just whisper this prayer right where you are today? Jesus, thank you for loving me. I ask you to come into my life, cleanse away all my failures and give me a whole new life, Lord. I wanna follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life right into heaven when I die. Now, if you, if you prayed that prayer with me, Pastor Jonathan's gonna give you some, some next steps, but let me just keep praying. Now, let me pray for, for all of the families, all right? <laughs> Every one of you, however far away your other family members are, let me just pray for you today. Lord, thank you that you're involved. Thank you, Jesus, that uh, whatever the hidden costs are, you're willing to get involved and help us and give us wisdom. Every family that I'm praying over has its share of misunderstandings and, and embarrassments and pains and losses. Lord, would you be there for them? Thank you that you see today what every family member is going through. Lord, help them. Even from what we've seen today, help us to say, I'm gonna be that family member. However imperfectly, <laughs> I'm gonna love more and I'm gonna forgive more. And I'm gonna pray for my family members and I pray for them right now. I commit my family to you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen, amen. Love you, church family.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.